Welcome to Noel 24-7's On the Bench podcast. This is Brendan Sinone, and I have a fun episode today. Uh, Josh Newber and I sat down with former FSU standout defensive back Bryant McFadden. Uh, he played for the Pittsburgh Steelers for uh, most of his NFL career. I uh, won two Super Bowls there, and uh, he now works for CBS Sports. And uh, he's going to bring a lot of insight into uh, what he saw on the field last year for FSU, especially in the secondary uh, but first, before uh, before I do that, a little bit of uh, a little bit of news here, and I got a special guest. Yeah, the white <laughs> numbers, baby. <laughs> we back. Twenty <laughs> let's go. <laughs> that voice you're hearing is Tarif Knockout, the uh, the champion of the white numbers. And today there was some great news. Tarif, welcome to the podcast again. How's it going, dude? Congratulations. Thank you, bro. Appreciate you, Brendan. Uh, yeah, man. I'm so excited, bro. Like, my phone's been going crazy today. Like, it's, like, dysfunctional. But, I mean, we finally got here. So, you know, shout out to Coach Taggart. Shout out to No Nation. Shout out to everybody who was backing me on that petition. So, you know, big up to Jameis. Um, you know, everybody. You know, even people that was hating on me trying to make this movement happen, you know. It's just, uh, you know, seeing it, seeing it today, man, it's it's so wild, like, I got that tweet notification and I saw the picture. I couldn't believe it. But, uh, you know, it sucks we got to wait a year, but, like, at least we know it's happening. Like, it's official. It's official, official. (laughs) So FSU announced today that there's going to be white numbers on the jerseys in 2020. And uh, this is something that uh, I think a good chunk of our listeners, and they listened to the sit-down that Tarif did with uh, Josh Newberg, uh, about a month or so ago, that is something that Tariq's been passionate about, and he talks a lot about Florida State's branding, and uh, he's a fan, but he's also very savvy on social media, and one of the projects that he had was that he wanted Florida State to switch back to its white numbers on its home jerseys. Uh, that was something that, man, when did you start that? Like, when did that whole the whole movement, uh, if you will, start for you? Oh, last year, 2018, um, I was just kind of looking back, and I was just like, you know, we need to get the white numbers back. And I had tweeted, I was like, after I, after I got FSU to pack the garnet pants, I was like, hmm, like, what can I do next? They packed the garnet pants, but I got to think bigger. And I hated that we looked like Boston College. Um, <laughs> that always bothered me. And uh, I was like, man, I, I need to, like, get these white numbers back. So I just started, you know, tweeting about it. And um, that's one of my New Year's resolutions for this year um, was, uh, you know, to start a petition. And uh, somebody, one of my followers was like, yo, you should just start a petition. I was like, that's a great idea. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I started it, you know, and, and people have been supportive up until that point. But then, like, the petition, you know, started getting a lot of signatures. And then the Jameis thing happened, like, a couple months back. And, um, you know, it's been consistent grind, man, like, literally every day, you know. And, it, you know, it could annoy or piss some people off. But, you know, it was all in playful fun, but in seriousness, too. And, um, you know, I'm just glad, like, you know, that Coach Taggart, you know, he's uh, he, he listened to the fans and, um, you know, made this happen, man. And it's funny because, you know, when we was on the pod a couple weeks ago and I, you and Berg was asking about, like, when the numbers would come back, you know, I said 2020. And um, so, you know, there it is. I have to pull up the audio. We'll, uh, well, I'll have to pull the audio up and, uh, and find that. Um. Uh-oh. Oh no! Not that I'm keeping you in check, but we're definitely uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll go and see how prophetic you really are. Um, Did Jameis? 
did Jameis actually? I know he retweeted the signet or the. Uh, I, I know he retweeted. Uh, did he actually sign it? Uh, he do, probably do, did. I didn't go look, but he he liked my tweet. I hit him up that morning when I saw he was online talking about the white numbers. Um, coming back, he's like, "We need to get rid of gold numbers." And I told him like, "Yo, J Boo, check out this tweet. Um, check out my petition." And he liked my tweet, and then he he reshared my petition onto his uh to his Twitter. So that was like real crazy. <laughs> Do you know how many people ended up signing the petition? Like what it ended at? Uh, uh, I think like close to 5,000, like last time I checked. So this is something that a yeah. lot of wanted and uh, it's cool to see. What What was the other uniform news that Willie Taggart shared today? Uh, the white numbers and then what are the combinations going to be this year? Yeah, um, the traditional home uniforms will be worn at every home game. Uh, so that would be, you know, gold helmets, garnet top, gold pants. And then on the road, it's all white um, that – that we saw um, at Notre Dame last year. Um, and I, I'm like, I'm indifferent to that. I, I love the all-white. I don't think it should be worn every game. Um, I think he should still have the garnet pants in there, of course, pack the garnet pants on the road. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with both of those combos. I mean, if you would have said, you know, we're going to do traditional at home and garnet pants on the road, I'm all for that. But the, the all-white, you know, it's, I don't think that should be worn like every road game. But um, if you know if that keeps the players focused this year, it seems like he's uh he's like dialed down a bit on with that as far as letting them pick this and that, then you know whatever works, you know as long as we get those wins. But uh, the white numbers coming back is some huge momentum, you know, going into next week versus Boise, man. I'm I'm excited, bro. All right, dude. Well, congratulations. A long time coming. Uh, uh, an example of what uh what being being consistent and persistent can do. So congratulations to Tarif. Uh, we're going to take a quick break Thanks, and bro. then we'll have a uh, sure thing to do. We'll, uh, we'll have Brian McFadden, Newberg and myself talking a little bit of FSU football to preview this 2019 season coming up. Uh, so we'll be back right after the break. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, as promised, our special guest, Bryant McFadden, former FSU cornerback in the early 2000s. He played in the NFL from 2005 to 2011, won two Super Bowls. He's currently a football analyst at CBS Sports. And uh, for those of you who aren't following him, I imagine a lot of our listeners are already following him. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at BMAC underscore Sports Talk. Bryant, how's it going, dude? Um, everything's going pretty good on my end. You know, Thank you uh, guys for reaching out to me allowing me to be a part of this outstanding podcast. So this should be fun. I don't know if I'd say, I don't know if I'd say outstanding, but I appreciate it. Uh, What what, what we can say is outstanding was your, your football career at 
at Florida State. And, uh, you know, I want to go into that with you. I want to talk about the current state of FSU football. Uh, but but first off, Brian, let's uh, – well, you and I spoke a year ago for a story I did on FSU being the defensive back university, DBU, and, and you gave a really interesting anecdote at that time uh, about how FSU recruited you, how they pitched you to come play for FSU. You had offers from all kinds of schools. Uh, but but for our listeners who maybe didn't read that story a year ago, uh, how did FSU manage to, uh, to get you to be a Knoll? Well, you know – it came down to Florida State and Miami for me. And, uh, you know, Florida State was getting ready to compete for a national championship against Virginia Tech. Uh, Miami was getting away from getting away from that probation uh, issue they had going on and starting to become relevant once again. So those are the final two uh, choices. And Florida State basically won as for me because of the atmosphere. Tallahassee was an unbelievable place as far as college atmosphere. I loved everything about Tallahassee. Florida State was the main attraction. Football was the main attraction. Uh, that definitely opened my eyes. And outside of the atmosphere, the college-like atmosphere, football, and the individual that would be coaching me, Mickey Andrews, uh, watching him and learning a lot about him and just going through his coaching resume and seeing so many iconic individuals he coached and knowing that he would be hands-on with me was the final say-so. That was the, the, the ultimate reason outside the atmosphere and, and why I decided to uh, go to Florida State. What, what to you makes FSU DBU? What is it about FSU? I mean, historically speaking, uh, Florida State has always been relevant when, it, when, you, when you talk about producing NFL-caliber defensive backs. Um, and we can go back to the 80s, you know, and, and you can go back to the, 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 the middle 80s, the late 80s. You can go through the 90s. You can go through the 2000s. Florida State has always been a relevant university when it comes to defensive backs. Now, there are so many other universities that – try to say their DBU and you know I, I don't think there's a wrong answer I don't think there's a right answer but clearly there's more of a consistent answer as far as were you relevant in the 80s in producing DBs were you relevant in the 90s in producing DBs were you relevant in the 2000s and now where we are right now in 2019 not too many universities can say yeah in the 80s we were putting out prolific defensive backs. Yeah, in the 90s, we were doing the same thing. Yeah, in the 2000s. You have some universities that have came along in the 2000s and have done a pretty good job. Universities like LSU, you know, universities like Florida and, 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 and some other universities. But Florida State has been that one consistent university. And you go back and do your research as far as the names, name recognition, and then going to the National Football League and having a successful career. Florida State has been that one university, along with a few others, like Ohio State. You know, they've been relevant for quite some time. But there are not too many that I can say 80s, yes, quality defensive backs. 90s, yes. 2000s, yes. Now, 2019, come on, man. Florida State has been that main state as far as in that conversation. And I think that's what people forget. They're more of a prisoner of the moment type of discussion with a lot of these former players that are claiming DBU and some of the fans that are claiming DBU, man, do your research and go back, back to when you were a child, 
Go back to when you grew up watching get watching the games. Leroy Butler, uh uh Terrell Buckley, uh 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 Dion, uh Corey Sawyer, Clifton Abraham, uh Samari Rowe, Tate Cody. I mean, come on man, like I mean Bush, Derek Gibson, Tate Cody. I mean, so so many outstanding in now the the new crop, Lamarcus Joyner, Ramsey, Darby, mm-hmm. Derwin. Like need I say more? <laughs> you said there. You said there's not a wrong answer, and I, I'm with you unless it's the Florida Gators, right? <laughs> no question. I mean, I've been a little curious when I say there's not a wrong answer. <laughs> there are wrong answers. You know what I mean? But let's keep it real, man. Everybody can LSU, and, and you know, my, my cousin went to LSU. Yes, as of late, they've been doing a great job. But where were you in the '80s? Where were you in the '90s? Right? Well, that's what seems Early so cool 2000s. about it. Is is they can pitch like so when you're getting recruited they could pitch you on like you grew up watching these guys and then you know the next era of of recruits can say they they grew up watching you like I saw you did like an interactive thing with Jalen Ramsey for CBS CBS Sports like recently in a few years FSU is going to be pitching guys to be the next Jalen Ramsey like that's that's the to your point Brian it's like I think that's the credentials that FSU has right is that they can just say we be this next guy and then this next guy and it just keeps going and going and going exactly and that's, that's the one uh consistent thing we have man you can go in many different eras and still folks they will be relevant when it comes to defensive backs all right well let's uh Let's focus on the defensive backs currently on FSU's roster. Um, and well, I guess first let's go to last year, Brian. And in your estimation, um, because what didn't go right for the defense? And this is a really talented group of guys, especially the secondary. They have blue chips all over the place last year. New defensive coordinator expectations. They run this you know press press cover scheme, and FSU ends up giving up 30 passing touchdowns. Uh, it's certainly not meeting the expectations that they thought was going to happen. Now, when you watch Florida State last year. Uh, specifically the defense and, and maybe even more specifically the secondary, I, I guess, what did you see that was consistently not working with, with what they were doing? Players just not positioned correctly. They're out of position playing players, playing with bad eyes, uh, players not using quality technique and fundamentals. And because of that, they, they were put out, they were out of position. And a lot of that had to do with trying to get adjusted to a new scheme um, you know, changing your mental thought process because for such a long time, the majority of these guys outside of the true freshmen that were there last year were taught to do things a certain type of way. And then in comes a new staff with, with a new DC, with a new defensive back coach. Now they're teaching things their way. It takes time for players, especially amateurs, to get used to, to, to the new style of play, the new philosophy. And then the last thing that I had an issue with was the effort. The effort was not there. When you think about Florida State, and for me as a high school player, the one thing that always stood out to me was effort and the want to. You would never see Florida State getting out hustle on a football field. And from time to time, we saw that. Now, was that more so because the morale of the team was down because, you know, we weren't, you know, in that conversation as one of the best teams in the ACC, we weren't in a conversation clearly as one of the top teams in the country. So was the morale down and because of that, the confidence down and the want-to wasn't there? Or was it just, you know, kids not just loving the game like they should love the game? 
I don't know exactly what what the answer is to why I did not see the effort that I'm used to seeing in Florida State, but I didn't see that. So when you pair all of, all of those things up, clearly we saw bad production on the defensive side. Do you believe in Harwin Barnett's defensive scheme? Yes, I do. I do, and, and, and do you, I think. Hold on, I got to follow up to that. Do you think the players believe in it as well? Now they do. A year ago, no, I don't think I don't think so, because, and I have to put myself in a collegiate player's mentality. Right. If I was a part of a staff, and then that staff is gone, and then a new staff comes in, I'm not going to buy into what they're selling right offhand. Unless they're coming, unless they're like a Nick Saban type coach who comes in with all these accolades and you know uh, awards and the resume is extended, then of course I'm buying what he's selling, right? But if there's an individual who really, you know, this is his first opportunity as the head man in charge, I'm, I'm probably going to second guess some of the things he's telling us until I until I actually buy what he's selling, and that takes time. So. For me, last year, I don't think the kids bought what they were selling on both sides of the football. And I think they had to really learn the coaches, just like the coaches were trying to learn them, for them to believe in what they were coaching, what they were teaching, and believing that they would be successful in doing what they want them to do. Do you think that impacts effort on the field as well? Because that's an issue uh, yeah. that you stated. You know, so does that, does that solve that one as well? Yeah, something. See, the thing is, when you're when you're a collegiate player, and if you're not believing, if you don't believe wholeheartedly in what they're telling you to do, you might not give it your 110 percent because now you you going into a game second guessing, is this going to work? Right. Like if 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 I if I break off this right foot, like they want me to. Will I be in position to make a play? But I don't feel comfortable doing that. So I don't know if I'm going to actually do that. And if I do, I'm not going. I'm going to kind of. Ha- I'm, I'm. I'm half speed. I'm a half speed doing doing it because I don't feel comfortable. Just a little mm-hmm. qu- quick example. You know what I mean? So it's almost like anything you do, right? If you don't actually believe it's going to work, mentally you already defeated. True. And I and I think that played a part in what we saw last year yeah i agree i agree and to to piggyback off of that you got a guy like levante taylor um didn't have a great year last year uh you know his expectations were through the roof we thought he was going to be three years and gone never thought he'd see a fourth year at florida state um he returns now he's in a new position what's the mindset there do you think levante taylor's buying into one not only the scheme but also his new role and, you know, how, if you are a guy like Levante, how do you enter the season in a new position for just one year? Yeah, Taylor has bought in to his new role. Um, and I know that personally. I had an opportunity to uh, spend some time with the – Yeah, I, I, had, I had an opportunity to spend some time with the guys, the defensive backs uh, mostly, but a lot of the defensive guys uh, for a week in July and talking with them, just, you know, just spending time and communicating. And then we did also did some field work and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's buying it. He, he has bought into this new role. He envisions himself as the honey badger of this defense. You know what I mean? Very, yes. very instinctive. Um, you know, has experience. Uh, very, very fundamentally sound, and believes in his technique 
And he believes because of where he is playing now, he has an opportunity to make a lot of plays. And I also believe he has an opportunity to make a lot of plays. So he's brought into this new system, this new scheme, his new role, and the entire group has really bought in. Because I, I wanted, this is what I wanted to do with the guys. I wanted to talk, and mm-hmm. I wanted to listen. And I believe communicating is more listening than talking. Because True. when an individual believes you're listening to them, they don't mind opening up to you. And, and that's what I wanted the kids to realize with me. I'm not talking to you as a fan. I'm talking to a guy who used to be in these same seats and these same, uh, in the same shoes you're wearing. So talk to me about what's going on. What do you believe you need to do better? And I'm going to tell you this much. Everybody is believing this system will work. They have the right coaches. They have the right players. And they're, they're so hungry to get that bad taste from 2018 out of their mouth that they're excited. They're, they're once again excited about ball. Now, you've got to put it on film, but I can say just the morale of the team, mostly the secondary guys that I, were, that I was with, they're excited. And everybody, they're buying in. They have bought in. They have bought I don't know if it was on the clearance rack or it was a full price, but they all bought it. <laughs> Good but, to hear. Brian, you mentioned that you got a chance to work with those guys. And what specifically when you did work with the defensive backs, and I, I forgot who tweeted out, but we saw you and some other some other former FSU players came back. Like, what did you see from that group that said, yeah, they're hungry? Yes, I believe that they're going to turn it around, that, that they're buying in, like you said. I guess what specifically gives you that confidence to say that now about a month out from, from that workout? Man, those kids wanted to work. It wasn't like I had to pull this player to come out or hope for this player to come out. I gave the kids the time where we were going to meet up. They were there. I mean, they were like, okay, uh, are we going to do the same thing next week? I'm like, listen, I, got, I have a family. I got to get back. I got to get back to reality. I can't stay forever. But <laughs> it's so encouraging seeing that they wanted, to work. they wanted to get better. They were asking questions. We watched films together. I mean, they went out there busy. They took time out of their busy schedule to give me time to really just talk to them and, and, and see are there things we can learn that can make them better. And it wasn't just about, you know, making them better from the physical. It was about the mental. Because I told you earlier, they play with bad eyes. So I was trying to understand what you were looking at last year, why you were doing what you were doing, and now knowing what you're supposed to do and how you're supposed to study certain things. And what people don't understand when it comes to the college game, there's only a small amount of time they, these coaches have with these players. And then after that, they're on their own. See, for us, the time slots were a little different. Uh, they were different. We had more time to devote to Coach Andrews being right in our ear, to uh, 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 Kirby when he was there being right in our ear. You know what I mean? Um, so we had so many opportunities to get better with our coaches, these kids don't have the same luxury. So I was trying to be able to allow them to self, to be able to self-teach themselves and, and, and also to critiquing each other's, uh, each other in, in the meeting room. But that's the first time when, when because if someone loves, loves doing what they're doing, they're always trying to get better, and these kids are trying to get better. And I really was so excited about that, and I told them, I applaud them Sometimes they're not showing up or they might be late. Those kids are on time and they did not want to go home. What's it like coaching up Stanford Samuels, Asante Samuels Jr.? 
uh, you know, guys that you grew up playing with, now their sons are playing at the highest level. What's that like for you to, to, to talk to them as football players? Oh man, it, it's 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 kind of it's kind of surreal because I remember little Bootsy when he used to be mm-hmm. in the locker room, what you know, snot running out his nose and celebrating a victory, <laughs> and now you know he's a grown man with a full mustache and you know soon to be a potential draft type player, uh, but the respect is there, um, you know what I mean, and, and he mm-hmm. understands what Florida State means, and you can tell he goes about his business as such. And the way he relates to the other guys, and they know, you know, about little, little uh, uh, Stanford being around the program as a as a child. It, this is bigger than football. It's like it's like life. It, it's actually like life. And having a a a legacy kid be a part of what we're doing. We have a few legacy kids on the team, by the way. But having a legacy kid in the secondary. Oh, by the way, he's wearing my former number, number eight. And I believe we should always keep a number eight in the secondary. I know, uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, what Corey Sawyer wore it, uh, Cleavon Thomas wore it, um, I wore it. Uh, I know Jalen wore it. Um, I remember Roger Williams. He wore it. We should always keep number eight in the secondary. By the way, but having you know those Stanford wear number eight and rocking in the, in, in the fashion and he in which he does, mm-hmm. uh, but the future is bright for him and. He was out of position last year. In the beginning of the year, when he was playing that star role, he was our best cover corner coming into 2018, I believe, as far as athleticism, as far as measurables. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He was yeah, got to match up against some of the match up with some of the bigger athletic receivers, and you need to have a guy that can kind of go blow for, blow for blow with these bigger guys. But you haven't played a star. He was out of position, so now he understands his new his home role, which is playing corner, that's another kid I believe is going to have a big-time year like Taylor. You know, this position is better suited for Taylor because he can do a lot mm-hmm. at, at, at that position. The same can be said for, uh, for Labuzzi. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, Brian, we thank you for having come on the show. We're going to get a prediction out of you before we let you go, but I got one more question for you. And it, You know, you've done, you've done it all. You, you were a star on the college level you made it to the highest levels at the pro level and now you've been making your way up the media ranks what's it like to be in the media right now in a time where you know this isn't the best run for Florida State ever and I know when you're getting started you want to get you know you got to have your takes and you got to get your word out there but what's it been like to kind of walk that fine line between criticism and and being real Uh, it's been real fun because I am biased. I got to keep it real with you. And and, and the thing about me, I let it be known that I am biased. But because I'm biased, but because I'm biased, I still have to be honest. Because if I'm not honest, someone's going to call me out on it. That's like me saying last year when we started off the season in the rut and midway through the season, we only had, what, two or three games. And I would sit here and say, we still one of the best teams in ACC. That's not true. Yeah, Danny Cannell took that lane. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, we we were a bad team last year. Right. You know what I mean? When we, I think we were at one point, I think we only had two or three wins. I basically said, I don't believe we're going to a bowl because of what I was seeing on the football field did not give me any hope that we could go to a bowl. Mm-hmm. So that's what people, I think, respect from me is that even though we know Matt, he loves the Steelers, we know he loves the Seminoles, but he's going to call the spade a spade. And that's my job. I can't 
be on a panel or in the studio talking about Florida State like they're the best thing since sliced bread and they only have two wins in seven games. No, that doesn't that's not that's not who I am. But what mm-hmm. what I can say is this last year we was a bad team. I mean, we got humble pie every week. No one respected us at all. But because of that, they should definitely feel some type of way. I'm not even playing I feel some type of way. Because when you have pride about yourself, <laughs> you're not going to consistently lay down. Mm-hmm. At some point in time, you need to get up and fight. Get up and fight. And hopefully, there's no hope. You know what? I'm sorry. I never like to say hope. This year, they will fight. Okay. You know, when, you say hope, when you say hope, you're not actually believing. You're hoping. I don't believe in hope. I believe in knowing. And I believe in, in making it happen. This year, they're going to make it happen. And that secondary, that secondary, I'm telling you, based on what I've seen now, I haven't been there, you know, since camp started to, 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 to date, mm-hmm. where they are right now in their schedule. But when I saw those guys working, man, I was excited about what I was saying. Now it's up to them to put it on film. That's what I told them. I said, it looks good when you don't have the lights on. But when these lights on, you got millions of people watching you, thousands of people in the stadium. This is when it counts. You got to put it on film then. Nobody cares about what you're doing behind closed doors. Yes, the process is important, but the final process is even more important. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian, you, you sound confident that this team is finding some pride, moving in the right direction based on what you've seen. Uh, so let's let's get a win loss record for the for the season from you. Ooh, you gonna put me on the spot? Put you on the spot. That's what we do here. Hard hitting hard hitting journalism on 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 the bench. Yes. Okay, so let, let let's go through this. Let's uh let's look at the the, the schedule because the, me personally, and I don't know how you guys feel, but I I believe the most important game is Boise. Oh, I yes. agree. The, that's home setter. That, 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 that makes that, or breaks you. Yeah. That's our bowl game. We should go at that game like that is the ACC championship game. That is the national championship game. We only have a one-game season, and that's Boise. And I feel like that's the most important game because right now, mentally, I don't know if we have that mental tough team that we will have throughout the season based on the lumps and bruises they took last year. And I think they need to start fast to start believing in themselves believing in themselves, boosting the morale, building confidence. Because if we lose to Boise, then we're going to Virginia with a loss already under our belt. Right. And Perkins can play football. I really like him as a quarterback. And going to Charlottesville, Bronco, Mendenhall, and his staff, they really got those kids believing. And they definitely will believe more if Florida State waddles in there with already. So that's why I believe Boise is, the, is the, our bowl game. If we win Boise, I mean, that Virginia game, 730 is what? That probably could be prime time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that will tell us where we are as a team. If we beat Boise, we feel good. But then, of course, we should beat Boise. Mm-hmm. When you look at the talent, we should, right? We should beat Boise. Absolutely. Right. But – we still have that afterthought from last year about, well, remember, we did look real bad last year. So that, 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 that's the concern. But we beat boys. We're going to Virginia. If we take care of business against Virginia, and I believe we will, because I think we will, I, we will beat Boise. So when we beat Boise, the confidence goes through the roof. 
goes through. Louisiana Monroe, that's a stat game. It should be. That's how these kids got to – that's how – that's what Florida State used to be. Playing against schools like Louisiana Monroe, we're not taping our wrists against these people. We're going to hurry up. Third quarter, starters are out. Let's get ready for next week. Louisiana Monroe, that's a stat game. We're not taping our ankles. We're not taping our wrists. That's the mentality. <laughs> Virginia, come on, Virginia. I understand it's a new day in time and things like that, but Virginia's Virginia. Like, y'all not really know – come on, y'all not like that. I remember you guys remember when we played Virginia, I think it was my senior year, 2004, in Tallahassee, and they were ranked like number three in the country. We were like five, and it was an 8 p.m. game, ABC, and everybody was saying Virginia was going to beat us and this and that. I mean, we beat them people by like, like 25, 27 points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, like, like, really, Virginia? Yeah, I know they had Heath Miller and uh, – uh, pure minute, the running back. Uh, they had some. They had. Uh, they had some nice. They had some. They had some guys, but they didn't have enough. That's Virginia. Let's keep it real. Let's let's try to put these people back in their place. Send them back to the little kitty table on Thanksgiving. Yeah. They've been in the big table too long. So I, I'm gonna tell you this much. Realistically speaking, the potential losses I see, mm-hmm. I could see Virginia, but I believe beating Boise will give us a victory over Virginia, Clemson. Clemson cooking with gas right now. <laughs> I mean, all right, let's. I mean, but the thing is, though, guys, let's 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 look at it like this. The last two years, you know, we weren't a good team, but we played Clemson tough. We just wasn't able to sustain that for four quarters. That's been the issue for us. Mm-hmm. Like sustaining that level of play, like we started out against Clemson. So I'll say we should not lose no more than two games. Okay. Um, all right. Clemson. All right. Clemson and going to Gainesville. Now that Gainesville team, if Felipe Franks opens up his eyes and and realize that he can throw the football a little bit with that defense and those star players, uh, they could they 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 could be they could be they could be real tough. So um, I'll say no. We, we shouldn't lose no more than two games. I like the confidence. I hey, I mean you you sold me. I'm I'm with you. If they beat Boise State, uh, I think that changes a lot. Uh, but that's that's the blueprint game for Willie Taggart. Like that means an awful lot to him. So I think that really changes things. Um, win or loss, uh, that defines your season. So, all right, Brian. I think that's everything we had, man. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Yeah, I really dig the insight and the passion. Really appreciate it, man. Uh, no problem. Appreciate you for having. Me.